Hello, and welcome to the Rebel Soul Podcast, where we discuss integration of body, mind, spirit, and how to show up in alignment with our authentic selves. I'm your host, Suzanne Venus, and joining me today in conversation is Jane Ryan. Jane is a certified sex therapist, intimate relationship therapist, and a guide for women doing deep dive soul journeys. Welcome, Jane. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you, Suzanne. I'm very glad to be here too. Thank you for asking me. You're so very welcome. So um, we're going to be deep diving into all the good stuff here today. But before we head into that, I would really love it if you could kind of let the audience know um, what you do, how it's come together, and really how that's allowed you to show up um, in alignment with your authentic self. Yeah, great. Um, you know, I, I, as a child, I grew up very intuitive, like super, I could walk into a room and just feel people's feelings. And I would, was extremely observant of relationship. Um, I was always like paying attention to interactions and how people talked and treated each other. And, um, and there was a lot of chaos and crises in my house all of the time. So there was a lot to be paying attention to. And I was extremely introverted and found kind of my, um, my solace in connecting to nature and being quiet and trying to remove myself from all that energy. But it was just this really natural, innate um, way of being in the world to pay attention to relationship and to how people were feeling. Um, And then like so many of us, um, when there's a big crisis in our life, it's really kind of transformative. And so when I was 20 years old, my mother died and um, so much of the family crises and chaos kind of came to a head. And I took a really deep dive into some depression and grief and, um, and for the first time sought out therapy myself. And um, my therapist was probably an angel or a spirit guide or whoever she was. She was just absolutely amazing. And slowly but surely kind of came to terms with trauma and wounding and grief and also realized at the same time that, oh my gosh, not only am I learning about my own healing and transformation, but I am starting to get really clear about what my life path is. And so all those things that happened growing up, the chaos, the crises, the trauma, the, plus my way of being with that, like that intuitive, um, paying attention, knowing, being the peacekeeper all the time, kind of calming the emotions, it all kind of came together. And I realized, well, that is the path for me to be um, with people in difficult relationships, but not, uh, not in a unhealthy way in a way to help them heal, help them touch base with their innate ability to heal themselves and to come into their full potential. Um, And at the same time, I, you know, I was in my twenties then, and then kind of in my thirties, I got married, had children right away. And um, as my first marriage was falling apart, I, um, 
kind of started seeking out lots of um, like the divine feminine archetypes, the goddess archetypes, wild woman archetypes. And so I started really kind of connecting more with um, my own divine spirit my, and the sense of spirituality, um, my ancestors, all of that great stuff. Um, you know, and then that was also a salvation for me um, and kind of crystallized my path once again. And then um, kind of got away from it. Life gets busy raising kids and I just kind of got caught up in my career. I was teaching in a marriage and family therapy program. I was practicing therapy. And then in my early 50s, I got breast cancer. And um, it was just a huge, just stop, just stop, get rid of all the stuff that doesn't matter and get really clear again. And from that point on, I'm 58 now, just really taking every, I just feel like everything from my life at this point is just coming into more and more integration and alignment and, um, and so that's, and, and I'm bringing that more into my work now. You know, my own experiences have taught me so much about how to live my true authentic self, my, from my higher self. And I'm very passionate about wanting couples to do that, wanting people to do that in intimate relationships and, and single people. And, and so that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm loving. Beautiful. I love that. And I love how you talk about your journey of your traumas and pain points and how you've taken them as learning opportunities and growth in your own healing. And I think that so many of us that are committed to this path really cycle through that again and again and again so that we can show up in support of humanity. And I love how you touch on the wild woman archetype, which I might give um, the audience a little bit of background. Um, the wild woman archetype, the way that I see it, it's really in the phase of life that I'm sitting in right now. You know, I'll be turning 42 this year. I'm not in that young, mothering, nurturing phase of my life. I'm not yet menopausal. I'm in this very wild, coming undone phase and stage of my life. And I think it's all about a reclamation of self and standing in that strength and power. And I feel like it's the time where you actually get in touch as a woman with your power and your sexual um, sovereignty. And so that kind of leads me into where I want to nuance with what you do, which is um, working with couples and intimate relationships and, and really sex. So um, yeah, can you tell us what are some of the big um, challenges that you witness kind of time and time again with couples or intimate uh, relationships that are coming to see, see you for guidance and support? Yeah, yeah, and I love how you describe that too, that unraveling of self, because I think we see, can see that as such a negative thing, but really that, there's, that's so rich with growth and there's so many treasures in that when we allow ourselves to unravel and then reclaim, which is part of that rewilding process. Um, and with couples, this is so interesting when I work with intimate relationships and one of the reasons why I do is because I believe it is in intimate relationships that we have the most potential to heal ourselves. 
Hmm. It's really easy if we were to all live by ourselves, you know, we're not meant to, but if we were to do that, we could do whatever we want at any time. We could, you know, whatever we could talk how we want, we could act how we wanted and nobody would be there to kind of bump up against. Um, and it wouldn't be scary to be vulnerable because there would be nobody, <laughs> nobody that kind of show us what would happen if they didn't like what we were saying or who we were. Right. So it's in intimate relationship that we are actually called to be vulnerable. And once we're called into a vulnerability, everything surfaces. If there's trauma, it surfaces. If there's emotional attachment wounds, they surface. Um, just fear and insecurity, it's all going to surface. And so it's that beautiful opportunity for people in an intimate relationship to come together and actually choose to say, I am willing to learn how to be vulnerable, to learn how to be my true authentic self in your presence, um, not always knowing how it's going to land on that partner, not always knowing if my partner's gonna like it, if they're going to wanna run out the room and never come back, um, if they're gonna judge us. So it's, and it, this happens daily. It doesn't matter how long you're together. Um, we have to show up every day and be willing to be, am I willing to be my most authentic self with this other person standing in front of me and taking that risk? It's really a risk. Um, but the more we do it, the more there's such tremendous healing for ourselves because we continue to really um, accept ourselves and um, begin to live from that true place within ourselves. But also we learn how to create a relationship that's real. There's so many myths about relationships, like romantic relationships, how they function. And it just actually really drives me crazy because it's really unhelpful for people. Um, it's really about two imperfect people or more, however many people are in an intimate relationship, to, imperfect people being willing to show up, be vulnerable, um, be real and honest about their, their limitations, but also being accountable and the willingness to do the work. Absolutely. Yeah. There has to be that willingness to do the work. And I, I, you know, just keep processing what you're saying and seeing it as an ultimate stripping down both figuratively and and in order to do that figurative but it's also literal too when we talk about the intimacy and sex and vulnerability and how they go hand in hand as well for that deeper connection yeah yeah totally i mean you can't i mean I, what i see and and so this is where sexuality is such a amazing gift from the universe um in that we can hide ourselves a lot. And I know, and I have clients who they go through their entire relationship for 20, 30 years hiding themselves. Um, where that is the most obvious, though, is going to be in your sexual relationship. Mm. Because 
if we're going to, going to truly be embodied, if we're going to truly be connected to our sexual energy, our erotic energy, we have to be connected to our authentic self because the authentic self is the source of that. And so if we cannot do that with a partner, and there, sometimes there's very good reasons why we can't. We have our own trauma or we realize it's not safe. Right. Um, but if we cannot do that, then everything that happens sexually from that point on really, really suffers. And that really is the source of so many sexual challenges. I, I love that. And I love the way that you're bridging it in a different way that I've seen than I've heard or processed before. So, um, you know, obviously I'm all about living in alignment with my authentic or high self, which, you know, I see is my direct channel to source. And when we're in that space, you know, we can connect to source energy and sex is actual the actual connection of that source energy and creativity and creative life force and it's just that bringing of source together but without being in that space of being your authentic self you can't access that pure potential of source energy through sexual connection Absolutely. And that's where, um, you know, sex education classes and, and how parents talk to kids about sex and how um, the patriarchy, patriarchy teaches about sex um, and, and bodies um, and what's attractive and what creates desire and all of it um, is so far off track. It's so, and it's so destructive because it makes the erotic which is this pure life-giving energy. It's the source of creativity and sexuality and pleasure and sensuality and aliveness. And it makes it a taboo, something to be hidden, something to be associated with things that are, um, you know, the shadow side of sex, which is there, but um, that is not the erotic. No. And I think, you know, I can speak to my own experience only, of course, but, you know, I grew up in a very, in a Roman Catholic household. Um, My conversations around sex as a teenager were about not having it. And then when I was having it to definitely make sure I wasn't getting pregnant and to, you know, and after that, don't make yourself too desirable. All of the things around shame about how much sex you're having with how many people, all of those things. So, you know, it's been an unraveling and an undoing for me as well well to go through that process and now at you know in my 40s actually feeling embodied in my sexuality whereas I was very limited you know in my 20s um, yeah. dealing with that so I want to talk a little bit with you um, about you know living in alignment with your sexuality and some challenges that intimate relationships may have. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about self-pleasure and pornography and just kind of your take as a sex therapist. How do these enhance or inhibit the sexual connection between partners? Mm. Well, yeah, I love that question. And there's so much to that. Um, So 
I'll start with the I'll start with the self pleasuring and the porn because I feel that is so important for people to understand and get positive messages about. So I work mm. from a very sex positive framework, um, and what that means really is as long as there is full consent with who's ever involved, everybody's aware, consenting, clear and direct, pretty much anything goes. Right. So. If we, take, if we start taking things out of that context and putting labels on it, it kind of does a disservice to whatever it is we're taking out of the context. So for some couples or single people or groups of people, porn is a, um, it's a wonderful opportunity. It's a uh, fun thing to do. It's a, um, something that enhances pleasure. And it's not destructive. It's not damaging. It's, it's used in the way that it is meant to be used, which is to help people understand what arouses them. Right. As a learning tool. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, now, there are certain kinds of porn that, you know, um, depict women and um, certain other, certain people in society in a really negative, um, unsafe light. And I'm not supportive in, of any of that. Um, but what I am supportive of is there is ethical porn that um, allows people who are involved with it, from the director to the actors, to the script writers, to everything, to make conscious decisions about what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. And it's a very respectful process. Right. Um, but porn in and of itself, you can't, for me, I can't put a label as it, it's good or bad because for some people it changes, it helps them understand their bodies and their sexuality. It helps start conversation in a relationship where prior, maybe people weren't able to talk about it. Um, so again, we have to kind of look at everything sexually in terms of the context that it's coming from. Um, and then, so with self-pleasuring, I think again, um, in certain circles and certain belief systems, self-pleasuring is seen as um, a sin. It's seen as selfish, it's seen as indulgent. Um, there's, um, some beliefs that it creates difficulty when you want to have sex with a partner, you're not going to be able to, if you self-pleasure too much. Um, and again, myths, um, that are not necessarily, some of those things come from myths that are not necessarily based in accurate information. Self-pleasuring is the way that people learn about their bodies, learn about their desire template, learn about their arousal. Um, and then is a, it's a wonderful opportunity for one, for us to learn how to um, honor pleasure for ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Well, I know prior to um, our recording, we had a brief conversation and I said, you know, often I'm working with women and I ask them about their sex life um, because I can tell that their sexual energy is very stagnant and whether they're in a partnership or not. And then I ask them about self-pleasure and there's kind of some shame internalized and in saying, well, if I'm, 
if I'm masturbating, if I'm, you know, participating in self-pleasure that takes away from my sexual intimacy. And I said, no, why can't it be one? And I'm like, the more you can connect to yourself and understand your own desires, it doesn't take away from your connection and intimacy to anyone else because you become, you know, understanding of how to connect to yourself. So then it builds on and, and expands the connection with a partner. And so uh, to me, they go hand in hand. And I will say that pun intended (laughs) and that, you know, it's necessary in understanding our bodies, our own pleasure system and honoring that we are worthy of receiving pleasure. Like we, that's part of being a human being. And part of the aspect of why we're here is to be able to receive pleasure as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we live a life, and again, this is a disconnect from the erotic energy. Right. You know, patriarchy and other systems that want to oppress um, that creative flow and want to oppress pleasure out of fear don't want us to connect to things like that. They don't want us to spend, you know, they don't want us to spend time away from working and producing and um, showing what we're accomplishing by working so hard and never resting and never allowing pleasure. Um, And so it really is a kind of a radical act to say, no, I'm taking back my birthright to have time for pleasure and um, to explore my body and to do that often just for the fun of it, but also to do it often throughout life because our body changes and what we desire changes, and how our body function changes um, after pregnancy, after postpartum, after menopause, after illness. Um, So it's so important for us to keep connecting with ourselves that way. And I really encourage people to do it as a ritual, to do it as a, a way to connect not only to body, but to spirit and to the larger erotic energy and spirit of the universe, because that is, that, that's an opportunity to do that. Absolutely. I mean, there's different types of self-pleasure where just as there's different types of intimate sexual connections, somewhere it's just to get off and somewhere it's a deeper connection and they both have value in place um, when you make it part of your regular practice. So I love how you talk about incorporating that in making it a bigger um, connection as well. That's beautiful. Um, we're kind of rounding out towards the end, but I wanted to know if there's any kind of takeaways that you would give our audience mm-hmm. in living in alignment with their sexual selves in their intimate, uh, sorry, in their intimate partnerships or relationships, um, just moving forward. Yeah. So I would say just in a really general way, um, when, if you're, if you are currently in an intimate relationship and you're feeling like uh, we're not communicating, we're having too much conflict, we're, we're too different, um, we can't connect, whatever it is people usually say when they feel like they're having problems, I would really encourage people to um, not assume it's problematic, not assume it's a negative thing but to really use it as an opportunity to really pay attention to what is surfacing for me right now in this relationship that is mine. What is surfacing 
that may be my partners. And not, we're not coming to that from a place of ego and judgment, but from like this higher sense of self, like what is my partner's trauma or wounds? Can I see that right. if I step out of the blame? Um, and how can we use what's surfacing as um, fuel to nourish, heal, learn, grow, strengthen intimacy? Beautiful. So that's the first thing I would say for people. And I think with the sexual piece, I mean, there's so much to that. I could talk forever about it. But really in terms of the erotic, to really start to connect in simple ways to pleasure and creativity, even like five minutes a day, you know, doing something for no other purpose except for pleasure and that it touches something in you that is part of your creative energy. And slowly over time, learning how to nurture that more and more so that, um, it will, it will grow if we nurture it like anything else that's living. It grows if we nurture it. And we can then begin to expand it into sexuality, into sensuality more and more. We'll have more and more ability to do that the more we explore it and create space for it in our lives. So, I mean, that's just really general, but that's what I would say for people. I love that. And that's one of the pieces of homework that I ask almost everyone. I'm like, what do you do for fun? And they go, what is fun? Especially, you know, moms, right? And it, as yeah. soon as that happens and they go, what is fun? There's no fun. There's no time for fun. I'm like, no, but like, do you even allow yourself fun? But, you know, it, it does shape into if we want that fun, that creative energy, that doing something just for the pleasure of doing it, we need to allow that in, in order for there to be the sexual connection, in order for there to be the intimate connection, the yeah you know, relationship connection that you want with a partner as well. They all kind of walk hand in hand in hand. So I love your takeaways. I know we're, you know, trying to keep the time in a nice concentrated area, but I really appreciate having you and your field of expertise here, Jane. And um, I will be adding your information and notes. You do work, you're out of uh, Washington, however you mm -hmm. work virtually so if yeah. there's anyone who wants to work with jane um she is at www.ryancouplestherapy.com this will be in the notes as well as her instagram handle and it has been a pleasure to Thank you, speak Suzanne. with you today you're very welcome <laughs> it's my pleasure thanks for asking me wonderful well <laughs> bye for now and i'm sure we will connect soon thank you again